Well, good morning. Again, my name is Stephen. I am the student pastor here at FBC, and it's my joy, it's my privilege to be able to preach for you this morning. Uh, pastor David, uh, he is going to be back with us next week up on stage preaching. He's actually right over there. He's with us, but <laughs> he'll be on stage next week for you guys. So uh, looking forward to that, and I hope that you'll join us, uh, join us next week uh, when, he, when he's back up here. Um, so today, today is a Super Bowl Sunday, right? And we've got some like, some like, like it's okay. <laughs> we can clap a little bit. Uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday. It can, it's okay to be excited about football. It's okay to be excited about sports. And uh, so kind of the question of the day becomes like, well, what team are you rooting for? And people come up and they ask me and I'm like, I don't know. Football wasn't ever really my, my thing. I didn't grow up playing football or really watching football. Sorry, David. People ask me and I go, uh, hockey? Hockey, anyone? <laughs> I grew up in San Jose. We, we had the San Jose Sharks. They were good. No, not so much. But I like, I like sports and I grew up playing sports. And so we come back to this question, well, who are you rooting for? We've got the Eagles. We've got the Chiefs. Hey, hey, there we go. <laughs> hey. <laughs> we got a little bit more for the Chiefs, I think. Over here. Um, and then we also have uh, some of you guys like, I'm going to watch it for the commercials, right? Uh-huh. We've got some people who are commercials. And me, I'm, I really am, I'm on Team Snacks. Yeah. Team Snacks. I love snacks and food. I like to eat and try in all different types of, types of things. And so I like the snacks. And so that's why like, I come to hang out and like, eat food. And so that's what... I like to do, but I, I can really appreciate football, even though it's something that I never really grew up doing or watching or being a part of, because I understand, having done years and years and years of baseball, having swam competitively for years, and then going off and after, after college, racing my car legally, okay? <laughs> racing my car legally, that I can appreciate the talent, the skill, the hard work, the dedication it takes to make it to the top and be one of the best. I can appreciate that. And even if I don't completely understand the whole, all the nuances of what's happening in a football game, I understand that the game happening here today is a really big deal, and it's filled with people who are at the top of their game. But one of the things that I think sometimes get a little overlooked, when we, especially when we think about sports, is that sports also has this really important piece called the mental game. And this is really what distinguishes someone who has the skill, the talent, the hard work, the dedication, who's good, between someone who's great, is someone who understands and thinks the game and knows it inside and out. And if we think about this, this isn't just true about football, it's true about every single aspect of our life. What make, distinguishes someone from being just good, maybe good at their job, being good in the relationship, or good in whatever aspect, their hobbies, is someone who is mentally all the way in and has wrapped their head around every single aspect of it. And that takes someone who's good and makes it great. And the reality is, is this is true not just for sports, it's not just true for different aspects of our life, it's true about our faith as well. Which is why I want us to think about, let's get ready. 
Let's get ready. Just like we have two teams getting ready. They're, they've practiced, they've prepared, and they're thinking through the plays, thinking through the different things that they're going to do. What, what happens if we, this, this situation, what, what happens if we're up, what happens if we're down? All the different things. They're getting themselves mentally prepared. They're getting ready. And we need to do that too with our faith. And so what I want us to see today, that w- and this is what I, I want you to pull out of this passage that we're going to be in, is that we need to be mentally prepared to live out our faith. We need to have our mind in the game. Mind in our faith. Engaging our mind. Because sometimes what we can do is easy for us to think that it's an emotional experience. But no, we have to have our mind in the game. Sometimes we think it's just all of in our mind, but no, we actually need to do something with it. And that's what we're going to be looking at today is we have to actually go and live it out. So we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. And this is book, written, a letter written by the apostle Peter. And this is the Peter who he left his livelihood as a fisherman to follow Jesus. This is the Peter who walked on water with Jesus. This is the Peter who said some amazing things and and realized that, wow, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. He also said some really stupid things, ultimately coming up with, Jesus, I deny you. But then this is also the Peter that Jesus comes to afterwards and says, you're going to be the rock upon which I build the church. And our church here is actually a continuation of the legacy that Peter made of establishing the church under the power and authority of Christ Jesus. And so he is writing a letter to Christians who started off in Jerusalem, but for various different reasons and and persecution, they have scattered throughout the Roman Empire. And he's writing to them And he starts off and he says, I want you to know a couple of things first. One, I want you to know the hope that we have in Jesus. That you have been born from death into life. He says, "This this is what he starts off with. You have been born into new life. And if you're new uh, to church or if, this is, if you're not sure about what this means to be born into life, it means that despite the fact that we have done things that are wrong and we don't measure up to a God who is perfect and that has broken our relationship with God, God looked at us and says, I love you so much that I'm not going to leave us in a broken relationship. I'm going to send Jesus Christ to die on the cross, to take care of the sin, to make you right again so that I can have a relationship with you again for all of eternity. All you have to do is believe in my son, Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. That's the hope that Peter reminds us of. And then he goes on and says, well, this hope that we have of a perfect new life where there's no more sin, is that still going, on, going to happen in the future? You see, sometimes we think about hope, and we think of it in our, in our, in our language more of as a wish. We have two teams, right? And they both hope to win the Super Bowl. And we've got fans that hope they win the Super Bowl. But the reality is, is only one team wins. The other team and their fans are going to leave the Super Bowl with their hopes and dreams crushed because they made it, they played, and they lost. That's not the hope that we have as Christians. Our hope in Jesus is something that is certain. Our hope in Jesus is a little bit more 
like my snacks, okay? You see, later today, we're gonna have a, a Super Bowl party in here with the, with the students, and um, I've already bought all the snacks. Everything for the snacks has been prepared and put together and ready. It just needs to kind of get brought out at the right time. And it's not the right time yet because the Super Bowl hasn't started yet. And so, but everything, all the work to make the snacks happen has been done. And this is what Jesus, and this is the hope that we have, is all the work that Jesus has done to make our hope certain, 100% sure, has already taken place. So we can look forward to it. It's just not time yet. But in the meantime, he says there's challenges. And so this is kind of what leads up to our, our passage here. Is that there's, we have this hope that's coming. It's certain. But we have some challenges and trials and hardships along the way. And so then Peter then says this. Therefore, because of what I just said, what he just said, prepare our minds for action. And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, prepare our minds for action. The first thing I want us to see in this passage is that it tells us that we need to act. Our faith is one that requires us to act, to do, to live out. It's not just something that can just be stagnant or something that we just feel or something that we just know about. It needs to be something that comes out of us. We need to be able and ready to act. You see, if it's not just emotional and if it's not purely intellectual, we need to come to this realization that our faith is grounded in the truth, in truth, right? Jesus was real. We can look back and historically, atheist historians will look back and say, yes, Jesus was a real person who walked on the earth are grounded in truth of Jesus that we understand with our minds, absolutely, but it doesn't just stay there. It transforms our hearts and leads us to act and live in a way that pleases God. This is our faith. Grounded in truth, transforms our hearts, and it causes us to live in a new way. And so, what is that way? How should, we, how should we live? If our faith is supposed to be something that we know and understand and affects our hearts and, and lives out as us, what should that living look like? Let's actually jump to our next set of verses, verses 14 uh, through 16. It says this, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. It says don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. What Peter is telling us is there was a time in your life, some of us might be shorter, some of it might be longer for us, that we didn't know Jesus Christ. We weren't following him. We weren't believing in him. And in that time, we were doing things our own way. We were doing things that would please us and not God. We were doing things that were, were wrong. Even by our own moral standards, we would do things that are wrong. We would be selfish. We would hurt one another. And then it says, as you've lived your life this way, you come and you know Jesus. He says, you are called to be like Jesus because Jesus, he's perfect. The passage, it says, it calls him holy. This means that everything that is in him is right and good. Pastor David is actually going to be talking about holiness next week. So we'll jump into that more. There's so much to unpack there, and we just don't have the time to do it. 
but he's right, he's good, he's pure. And so he calls that holy. And he says, if we want to have a relationship with God, then we can't go back to the way things were before. We have to be different. So the standard that we have to live by is God himself. And the wonderful thing is God, he actually gave us a human example of himself in Jesus because Jesus was God and man. And he lived and he walked and he gave us an example. And so that's what we do. We follow Jesus. That's why we're called followers of Jesus Christ. We follow him. We follow his example. And so in order to follow him, we have to know what he's like. We have to know the things that he said, the things that he did, his heart, his character. That's what we follow. And so if we don't know that, it's going to be really hard. Imagine if I walked into the office and I had a piece of paper that I needed to copy. I go walk into the office and I walk to the copy machine and I hold the piece of paper in my hand and I come, or hold the piece of paper in my hand and I come up and I push print with the piece of paper in my hand. What am I going to get? A blank sheet of paper. It's not going to be a copy of what I have in my hand because the, the piece isn't on the glass of the copier. The copier doesn't know what it is because it, it can't see it doesn't know it. We actually have to take the piece of paper, stick it onto the glass, then push copy. And so for us, what that means is we actually need to take the time to know Jesus himself. Because otherwise, we're going to be like that copier, and we're just going to come out with a blank on who Jesus is. And that's not going to change our lives. And so if we think back to this, to this passage, it said, Prepare our minds for action. And then it goes on and says, let's be sober-minded in verse 13. And sober-minded is, um, we initially think, when we hear the word sober, we think of like someone who is um, sober from clean and clean from like drugs and alcohol. And that may be a piece, that can be a piece that fits into the general idea of what Peter is saying here. But that's not his focus. His focus is not saying is don't do drugs, don't do alcohol. That's not what he's trying to say. What he is trying to say here is that we need to have sober-mindedness, which is this. It's having clarity of thought, thinking clearly. It is about focused attention, and it's about having a readiness to act. This is what a sober mind is. It's, it has clarity, because if we don't have clarity it's hard to, to really make decisions. So a couple of decades ago, Ford came out with this delightful car called the Pinto. <laughs> yes, and it had a peculiar problem that if you bumped it from the back end, it could explode. <laughs> a peculiar problem, uh, I know. And so if you had one of these cars, so let's say you drove this car and then you loved this car and you were driving it and you, maybe you got a letter in the mail from Ford and said, don't drive this car, it could explode on you. And you see the Ford letter from Ford and you just throw it away without looking at it. You are not able to make an informed decision about driving your beloved Ford Pinto, okay? Because you don't have all the information. And so you're not able to think clearly about it because you're emotionally attached to this car and you're not looking at the reality that this car could potentially kill you. 
That's not clarity of thought. We also need to have focused attention. It's so easy for us to get distracted, especially in the world that we live in that seems to be going 100 miles an hour all the time. There's always something that's coming and it's pressing and it seems to always have this sense of urgency that we always are thinking about other things. Maybe it's about lunch. Maybe it's about the Super Bowl. Maybe it's about the snacks that are coming too. But there's so many things that can distract us. So it says we need to be focused. That's the idea that Paul wants us to think about. It also means that we need to actually have some readiness to act because we have, um, we are preparing our minds. So we're thinking about Jesus. We're understanding Jesus. We're knowing who he is and what he's like. But then we actually have to start to do something with it. A couple of weeks ago, uh, my family and I, we went and visited our extended family and some friends back in California. And so we flew out there. And so what we had to do is we had to start by preparing our minds and think about what are we going to do on this trip? Here are the different people that we want to see. Here are some of the activities we want to do. And um, okay. So we need to start making a list and to make sure that we bring everything that we need. We're also bringing two toddlers on an airplane. So there's a couple extra things that need to go with that. You've got like changes, you've got entertainment, and you've got snacks. <laughs> all right. So you have to think when we make this list of all the different things that we need to bring. And what would happen if on the day of, when it's time to get into the car, to drive away, all that we have is a list? We may have prepared our minds and thought through some things, but we're not ready to actually act. We're not there yet. What needed to happen is we needed to actually start taking all the different things, sticking them in the suitcases, getting all the suitcases and the kids into the car to be able to get to the airport on time. There's this readiness of like, you're actually there. Because if you just think about something, there, there needs to be some, some practice that goes with it so that we can actually, when the time, when the pressure of life comes, you're actually ready to act. So that is what it means for us to be sober-minded. And so what I actually want us to look at the next set of verses, 14 and 16 again. And it says this, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And I want us to think about this, not being conformed to our former passions. So earlier I mentioned how, you know, before Christ, we may have lived a certain way. And then after Jesus Christ, after we believe in him uh, as our Savior and our Lord, we're called to live a different way. And so what that means for us, for us to be to prepare our minds, to be sober-minded in this, means that we need to actually look and examine our lives because when you do something for a very long time, it's hard to change. And this is true. I played baseball for 12 years of my life. I spent hours and hours and hours working on perfecting my baseball swing. This last summer, I started playing some softball. And it's very different to hit a ball that's coming at you in this big, slow arc compared to an 80-mile-an-hour fastball. I mean, there's some overlap to how you swing, but there are some things that are drastically different. And when I started playing softball, I was hitting the ball very poorly 
because I, I was doing a baseball swing when I needed to learn how a softball swing. So what I had to do is I had to go back and I had to look at, well, what does a good softball swing look like? What am I doing? What's the difference? And what do I need to change? And I need to start taking that apart. And so we have to relearn our instincts. So we relearn our instincts to model after Jesus, just like I had to relearn the instincts of a baseball swing. And now the thing about an instinct is you don't think about it. It just naturally happens right there in the moment because you've trained yourself so much that you aren't really, you're not really like consciously thinking about it. You've ingrained it so much in your mind that your mind does it automatically without the consciousness. It just does it, boom. And so you have to retrain that in our lives as we, if we're gonna say that we're gonna follow Jesus Christ, we need to look back and go, I can't live the same way I was before. I have to be different. And that takes a lot of hard work to be able to look back and go, these are some of the things that I need to be, I've used to do. Over here is what I need to be doing. And I have to start taking some of this apart of my, in my life and rebuilding it in a way that reflects how Jesus lived. And that takes time. And that takes work. And I still do this. Sometimes I... Every once in a while, the Holy Spirit, it will, it can, God will convict me and say, you know, Stephen, you're doing this thing and you're, you're, it's not good. We need to change this in your life. And I'm like, God, I've been doing this for like, I don't know how long. And this is the first time I realized it. And now you're convicting me? And he's like, well, because there was lots of other things we needed to work on first. But we continue, it's this continual process where God, as we know more about him, he transforms our hearts, and it's going to change how we live. We need to get ready for this life, and we need to be mentally prepared to really live out our faith. And so as we think about this passage, and we think about what it means to prepare our minds and studying and knowing Jesus, and we think about how that takes clarity, that takes focus, that takes us actually practicing so that we're ready to put it into action. It takes us, it takes us retraining instincts. And the question that I have for us, for myself and for each one of you, is are you prepared to live out your faith? Because for many of us, we can get stuck in a couple of different places. One, we can get stuck in an emotional-based faith. One where I, f I feel close to God. I had this amazing spiritual experience and it's, it's wonderful and we have this, this closeness and it's not grounded fully in, in truth, it's grounded in, in the emotions and the feelings that we experience. And that's not bad, but it's not great. Remember we said it was good and then there was great? Well, it's not bad, but it's not great. What's great is knowing Jesus, being grounded in the faith of Jesus Christ, knowing who he is, knowing what he's done for us, because the reality is life throws things at us and the emotions, they go up and down all the time. And so what happens 
if we have a faith that's based purely on our feelings and our emotions is when things go wrong, when we don't feel close to Jesus, we go, I, I don't know, I'm just not feeling connected. And that can cause us to even disconnect even more. When the truth is, when you're going through the hardship, when you're feeling disconnected, God has never left you. It says that if we follow Jesus Christ, his spirit indwells us. He walks with us through the hardship. And so that's one way that maybe you need to get ready. Take the next step in your faith is to be grounded in the truth. For some of us, we can also have a, a different problem where it's something that is entirely just in our mind, something that we just know. We know about Jesus. We know about God. But it's something that never kind of penetrates our hearts. It's something that we just go, yeah, I know about this. But so many times we can know something and not act on it. I mean, how many times have we heard there's food that you shouldn't eat or food that you should eat and we completely ignore it, right? We have this information, we know about it, we may believe it's true, but we choose to ignore it. And, and sometimes that's kind of how we live when, with Jesus. We know about him, but we don't really let it affect any change, transformation in our hearts. Because when Jesus transforms our hearts, it's gonna change how we live. And for some of us, there's also gonna be some of us who maybe you're in this, in this process where you feel like, I, I, I know the truth, but there's always more to learn. And I feel like this truth is, is resonating in me and, and it's transforming me and I'm, I'm living it out. But the thing is the process never stops. And so even if that's where you are, get ready. Continue to prepare your mind. Continue to pursue after God with all that you have. Continue to know his heart, his character to the fullest so that when the challenges of life come, you can live it out. Because guess what? You might be the example to someone else who isn't where you are. And you're going to be the one who's going to help them along their way to grow in their knowledge and faith and love of God. And so that's what we have to think about. Are you ready? Where are you? Maybe you're even not, even not even sure that you're on that spectrum. Maybe you are thinking, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this idea that God loves me and sent his son to die for me. And maybe that's the first step for you as well. And so what would be a practical step? Well, the first one is you're here. You're here, you're worshiping, you're learning, you're being challenged, you're being presented with a truth, and now the question is, what are you gonna do with it? And so this actually kind of follows our, our church um, tagline. I don't know if we have a specific name for it, but our worship, our serve, our connect. So you're here, you're here worshiping. And maybe the next step for you is to actually start getting out and acting and starting doing and serving. And in putting that faith into action, even if it's in small ways, maybe the next step for you is to get involved and connected 
with, with groups, with our connect groups. And I know personally for me, this has been such a, a huge benefit and help for me. I've been here for um, a little over a year. And one of the things that really drew me uh, to this position and why I was open to coming, moving from California to New Mexico, was the fact that you guys had a vibrant, vibrant groups because that was something that was lacking in my life. And I needed people my age who were going through similar things to, to rally around and with, to encourage, to challenge, to walk alongside, to share, to dive into God's word, knowing Jesus better. And in a smaller setting, continuing to prepare our minds for action. So I want to encourage you, what is that step for you? What's it going to be? As we prepare our minds to act. And so I'm going to pray for us in just a moment. And we're going to actually have some people up here. Uh, We would love to pray for you. We would love to talk with you maybe about what that next step is for you as well. And maybe that step is also you can uh, join the church. Um, Whatever it may be. Wherever you see where yourself, let's get ready. Let's take that next step so that we can live out our faith, a faith that is grounded in the truth of Jesus that transforms our hearts, that causes us to act. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that when you saw us in sin and brokenness and hurt, you did something about us, you sent your son, and that gives us hope but you didn't just leave us in sin. You, you changed us and you're changing our hearts and help us, God, to see the things that you've done for us, to know you and to emulate you in our lives. And we do this not because of some duty, but because of the love that you've shown us. We want to love you back. Help us to know you. Help us to let our hearts be transformed. And God, help us live for you each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.